ladies and gentlemen, we've got a big episode for you this week. We are joined by none other than the co-founder of Space Yacht, Henry Liu, to talk about the future of NFTs in the music industry, all the crazy things that Space Yacht has been up to, and so much more. Plus, we discuss new music from the likes of Death Pact, Hilo, Rohan, and Martin Horger. So without further ado, let's get it. EDM champions. Thank you for joining us for episode 99 of the Beyond the Beats podcast. We got a locked and loaded episode for you guys this week. You know what, dude? There is no time to waste right now, so let's just dive right into it, baby. Okay, brand new music. You already know. Oh my God, Alec and I are (laughs) amped up to be talking about this guy again, dude. Death Pact just released a four-track EP called Split Personality. Alec, first of all, this was an absolutely murderous EP. If you had to pick a song off this one that you really want to play, what what are you feeling uh, right now, dude? I got uh, I got a thought. What are your thoughts here? It's so hard. I don't know, man. But I, I'm intrigued to see whether we're aligned here. Okay. I'm feeling Interference 03. I don't know. All right. Let's go ahead and let's give a spin with Interference 03. He might have a disorder. Dude, so you already know. I mean, champions already know. I'm pretty sure. Was it my only speechless ever? I think Is so, it? dude. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit harsh on this, I think. Maybe we'll lighten it up a bit. But I'd say you, Death Pact is so deserving of just... I, it, not another speechless. I wouldn't quite put it there, but it is awfully darn close because this whole EP from start to finish from Split Personality, which is the first track, Interference, Zero Three is the second, all the way to Coalesce, which is the fourth, just fantastically done. And you know, man, just like you, sometimes I get a bit bored by this mid-tempo space, yeah. but Death Pack keeps it interesting, man. And that's why I wanted to play this track because this is never a sound like the samples used at the beginning. These were never sounds I would ever believe or imagine would be included in mid-tempo and just death pack pulls it out pulls the rabbit out of the proverbial hat just fantastic bang up job and that is the reason why i'm absolutely loving this ep right here dude because there are just so many sounds that you would not expect to hear in this mid-tempo dark bass space and dude split personality what a wonderful wonderful name for this ep like yes Mm -hmm. you know the title track the number one track split personality is there absolutely and that is such a banging banging track but dude, I got to say, there was so much great push and pull in every single yes, one of these tracks. Yes. And that's what made this so interesting because you really felt like you were getting split personalities in every single one of these tracks. My all-time favorite from this four-track EP, though, is 0506 plus 056. Yes, uh, I know. It's yeah. a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I know. But EDM champions, head to the show notes. You guys already know what to do and get locked into what Death Pack just put out. But dude, let's talk about a massive collaboration right here. High low. Oliver Heldon's Tech House alias Hilo and Will Clark, they just teamed up for a brand new track called Check. Alec, let's check it out. Man, this is a track where you gotta check yourself to see if all your limbs are intact after going hard on the dance floor. And luckily, my limbs are still here, yeah, even though yeah, I was I your just arms. flailing. I was going crazy. I know, right? It's crazy. I was just flailing about. You couldn't see me on video, but I was just going nuts to this track. Tell you what, man, Hilo, you know, Oliver Heldon's alias there, is just really doing fantastic things for bringing the darkness back to some of the tech house right we've been seeing a lot of you know vocals being added things being light and airy but you know what this is none of that man this is like slapping that around silly being like you know what we're getting back to the gritty dark bass core of the tech house scene and will clark coming in again just there's something when he comes onto the track as well as with his own tracks as well he just brings that extra layer of just crisp clean production so that even though you've got very bass heavy elements there in the bass lines Mm -hmm. it comes out crisp and clean and there's nothing i I mean this is just exactly the song i want to hear in a warehouse how about you dude you know what's so interesting i actually thought we got some of that 
high low weirdness in this track you know what i mean it wasn't oh, like there's certainly the weirdness yeah. but i mean it's like darker feel you know what i'm saying totally like, agreed yeah very very dark direction for high low uh which is especially surprising because all Heldens, you know i absolutely love the guy but he is a weird fucking dude but that's just what <laughs> that's just what makes him so him you know what i mean but i gotta say eccentric I, Eccentric. eccentric there you That's go the i'm That's saying weird alec is saying eccentric but above all we love the guy we really do <laughs> but dude here's what i love man this is such a stomping track and you really felt like you got some great representation from both sides of this track hilo and will clark they are both so apparent in this one so you guys got to get locked into this because this is a absolute dance floor stomper if you want to talk about another dance floor stomper dude martin horger and don kong not Donkey Kong, Don Kong. These guys teamed up for a collaboration <laughs> the released the on, on Chami's confession label called Ah Lord. Man, from strength to strength, Martin Horger dropping some fire on the confession label, contributing Ew. to kind of their brand refresh here with yet another banger. And I'll tell you, man, one thing I really love about this track too, and I don't know if this was Martin Horger's idea or Don Kong's idea, definitely after the song, checking out more of Don Kong. Without uh, a doubt. But the gospel sample, right? I thought I thought it was just really well Crazy. done and it plays really well into Charmy's own brand there so nice little nod of the hat as you were uh, as if you will rather for this fantastic release on confession man I'm, I'm all about this track crazy absolute craziness dude and look i mean we know chami is a holy man he just has godlike abilities when he gets up on the decks or when he produces and what i love is that martin horger is kind of bringing these light airy gospel samples up in here dude really this is the best part about this Giving a whole other dimension to this track. Mm. That mm -hmm. is the best part about this, man. Giving a whole other dimension. And I, I want to say, I want to give a nod to Don Kong on this one because I really think that was like more of like his implementation. I mm. love Martin Horger. I love his sound. But I really think Don Kong really had a heavy hand in that as well. But without a doubt, this is an absolute stomper. It's very, very refreshing for a release on confession labels. So really, really big fan of this. Dude. I know. Bonkers. I need to Nuts. I need to I need to fucking catch my breath right now because <laughs> when I heard this track, I mean, look, when you see Rohan, right? When you see Rohan putting out new tunes, you already know that you're gonna get something absolutely superb. Let's talk about this, right? New music from artists that were watching it were of course talking about Rohan. What label did he just debut himself on? Let's hear it. Oh, dude, Sable fucking Valley. Sable Our Valley. Rhyme's own label. I mean, just shout out to him, first of all, for picking up just supreme talent such Let's as go. Rohan. But like, it, it's awesome to see him be uh, a part of Sable Valley. And what a track, oh boy, OG to release for his first time on Sable Valley. Well, let's give these EDM champions a taste of what Rohan cooked up for Sable Valley with his brand new track called CCC. Take a listen. Dude, this had some spiciness to it. This song is just straight bananas, man. You got some spicy Mexican-style plantain chips right up in this bitch, okay? It's got to give you a little, little sweetness, a little sour, but then also a little spice. Something that gets you moving and contort your body in all different types of way. I'm so about this track, man. It's not even funny. I mean, just the fact that he's implementing too. And I think it's coming back, man. Breakbeat. It's coming back, Absolutely, man. It really dude. is. Yes. And it, it, I, I think it just shows like a signing like Rohan in general, but then particularly also this song. Uh, I think in the fact that this is what he's chosen to debut with on Sable Valley is really telling of R.L. Grimes' vision for this label, which is to bring or bring in all these different aspects of trap to drum and bass to breakbeat, but they just mulch them in together and create kind of this futuristic rave style. And I, I think it's unbelievable because I can see Rohan going back to back with all the other artists on Sable Valley. And I'm hoping that's in the pipeline for the future. But what a release from Rohan, my man. Just hats off to you. This was an unbelievable track and you've just got 
an incredible, incredible prospective future with Sable Valley. Dude, absolutely agreed. I mean, the future is looking so bright for Rohan, especially with this brand new track, CCC so on Sable Valley, dude. I What I'm hoping this means is that we finally see Rohan in the States. That's what I want. I want yes, to for see sure, this for guy sure. live, man. I mean, let, let's let's break down this track a little bit, right? This vocal sample that he's using, just flying all over the place, right? It's haunting, yet it's so satisfying. You got that pounding kick. Alec, you already mentioned that break beat in there. But dude, let's talk about those little synth shots kind of mm. sitting in the background. The, this whole track is just filled up so perfectly with so many interesting things to look out for, you're just not going to get right. bored listening to this. And that's what Very I love true. about Rohan's music. And this track, CCC, is just the evolution of his sound. And I'm so glad it got picked up by Sable Valley, which is Arl Grimes' record label. Dude, whew. what some fire music to start off this uh, episode with here. Just unbelievable stuff. And we've got so much great stuff to cover upcoming, right? I mean, Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, EDM champions. I have to tell you, this has been something we've been wanting to do for a long, long time. Long we've been time. to their parties. Actually, I have. Samir, you've never been to their parties, right? I've only been to like when they did like an art car takeover at EDC, but I've uh, never been to their parties. No. Oh, man. Their parties are something special. Ladies and gentlemen, EDM champions, we've got Henry Lou, the co-founder of Space Yacht. And if you don't know Space Yacht, I don't know where you've been living. Perhaps under a rock with Patrick Starr. Not really <laughs> sure what's going on there. But you, you got to get out a bit more, right? Explore the scene a little bit because they've just been doing so much in the base house and house scene. It's not even funny. But I will forgive you for this time. But after this episode just make sure that you go away and follow space yacht there will be all the links will be on our socials and henry himself has a really fucking hilarious twitter uh so definitely peep that too but if you want to get tapped into everything that's going on in the base house scene space yacht is really the place to be but then even beyond that right they're not just about the music they're about the technology they're about the e-commerce merchandise i mean they are on all forefronts of dance music absolutely dude and then let's not even forget about all their work with nfts non-fungible tokens Huge. one of the biggest biggest advancements i would say uh in crypto as it relates to art so i'm very very excited to to get henry into the conversation right now with us and with the edm champions so henry how you doing man how's everything going uh i'm doing fantastic um life has been you know the past past 18 months or whatever it is has been a, a, an absurd challenge but uh <laughs> you know it's the kind of thing that also excites me and uh you know you as i'm sure many other people are starting to feel especially the music industry like that we're coming out the other side of a dark dark tunnel mm. but um you guys called in a very exciting time and uh you know you know my life has been how do, how do i surround myself with new challenges every day and how do i deal with challenges and cards dealt to me um, so to be able to still be here and be in a place where I'm deserving of this interview, by the way, thank you, um, is a great honor. So stoked to be here. Dude, honestly, we've had like so many people to talk about having at least one of you guys coming on reference space. Yards, so I'm glad that we put this together. I mean, just, you guys are just renowned for doing so much crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, like the parties you guys throw is awesome. I mean, the, the two that I've been to have just been legit. Like they've been great. You know what? Let's, let's get back to a time before the shows. Let's get back to a time before space yacht. Let's keep rewinding a little bit more. Let's talk about Henry. Tell us a little bit more about your background because you know, I'm sure you got a story or you got stories that really impacted you or experiences that really impacted you to want to dive into the music industry. And we'd love to hear that. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I, I'm going to do it in chunks, I guess, you know, tell me if it's too much, but uh, I, I guess I'll do like a bit of my college experience and where that kind of drew the line between, you know, uh, music industry versus not. And then do a little chunk about just kind of who I am and why I'm motivated to do what I do. Um, so love it. Uh, even from a young age, I was like, I always knew I wanted to start a business and, um, space yacht is kind of, I think my like third or fourth business wow. kind of like two and a half of that, like one and a half of them are, st are still operating. And, you know, I, I definitely grew up with a dad that, you know, spoke the hustle language. So it was something that I had no problem kind of adapting and adopting later on in life. You know, I went to college at UCSD and my first music industry experience there was volunteering for their 
kind of, you know how like, like every college has their big annual spring fling or spring mm-hmm. bash or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, theirs was called Sun God Festival and coming from a big, decently funded um, public school, it was like, you know, 25,000 people in their stadium. You know, wow. it wasn't kind of like a rinky dink quad sort of situation. <laughs> so there, you know, they kind of modeled after kind of like, how do we build a Coachella inspired college event? And um, I got my feet wet sort of volunteering there and and the, just the adrenaline of seeing the crowd and seeing kind of like the work of your strategy or hand or just even at the time it was like just volunteering and being able to see it was, it was kind of a, I was awestruck and I stuck around and I eventually worked my way up to being the music director, student music director of that uh, Sun God Festival. And I think it's still around, like um, the UCSD music industry pedigree for some reason or another, there's like Mark Geiger from formerly of WME, there's Bill Silva, mm, formerly of wow. yeah. know, Hollywood Bowl. And there's a uh, uh, Daddy Kev who started Low End Theory. So there's a lot of like random, like, whoa, for some reason, they're just like, deep in the music industry today. I thought that was exciting for, and, and didn't really apply to me personally, but it was like, oh, cool. Nice to know. Maybe I maybe have a <laughs> shot too. Right. Um, so, you know, during that time, you know, I was doing, I was volunteering nights and weekends or whatever. And, and I studied math and econ and I'd, I'd been done with like my degree, like three years out of four, let's say like I was a year early. So I pretty much like I had some financial aid or some, some scholarship or loan or whatever. And I was just like, let's just use all these credits to study the topics that I do like. So I, I took on computer science for a year, um, accounting, jazz improv, like split with some music wow. theory stuff, urban planning, because it kind of excited me how like cities were built. Yeah. Mm. Um, and how like, it's, you know, a lot of progress in society is negotiations and relationships between tr- private industry and, and, and public uh, mm. uh, representatives. All the while I was like getting higher and higher up in this kind of student music booking um, organization. I think it's now called AS Concerts and Events. Had the, the one or two few ones that got real jobs in the industry. I was like, okay, can you kind of get me in for an internship? <laughs> and I finally talked my way into one at Windish, which is now Paradigm. And as I think as of like last month, it became Wasserman. Okay. Go figure. Yeah. Um, and they had just been starting their LA office where I'm from. So this, so I went back from you know, college in San Diego back to LA. And I, I was like, right around that time, I got a full-time job offer at a territorial thing and I like territorial, like booking agency. And those things are notoriously known to be like massive, like super sterile hallways. And like, you know, you're kind of like bottom of the barrel. And I kind of thought, you know, right. who knows when I'll ever interact with a VP of music or someone who's like a negotiator, the closer of the, right. of mm. the company. So I was like, all right, whatever measly salary that was there, I'm going to turn that down, figure out my entrepreneurship stuff on, on the side and go, I'm going to go intern for free for this Windish guy who's now like the president of Paradigm or whatever. Um, and it was 100% the right move. So if you, anyone's listening oh, yeah. out there, the, you know, what the space I was interested in is like working in direct proximity to like a founder, an entrepreneur, like a salesperson, or like someone who's like a growth strategist or like the key unlocker of a business. Right. So I was you know, interning and wash, like sweeping the floor, but also catching bits and pieces of, of Tom Windish kind of like negotiating like this Lord tour. And I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, like there's nothing like crazy, like uh, private. Cause I mean, I think, I think he was smart enough to not share that, but like just kind of knowing how as an industry t- and a top dog, how do you like stand up for yourself or how do you size things up or mm-hmm. what, what is, what is considered too far or not far enough. Right. So to know that earlier on, I think it changed my whole trajectory um, going on to like my next jobs or like in, in, in like going to space yacht, like gave me a lot more confidence. Um, so, I, you know, I'll make the next part quick. And I just kind of like, I got a marketing job at one of the first like uh, music digital marketing agencies now they're called like TikTok agencies or whatever. Back then they kind of like invented the Vine hmm. influencer mm. thing. Not invented, but I think it was one of the first early ones. So by and large, it was kind of like one of the first digital paid, like social media management companies. So I definitely learned how to speak that language and like really tap into like what, like how to like seek viral stuff. And I learned to use Twitter like really well. I'm like deep, I'm deep in there now all the time. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> we see your tweets. You're, you're a machine. I, I love being on there. I, I genuinely do. And um, throughout this whole time, I was around 21, 22. And I was definitely one of those kids that partied a lot, went to all the venues, like it was indie rock stuff, disco stuff. I went to all those dance stuff. I went there to, you know, get 
properly sloshed. And um, <laughs> at some point, you know, I found I, I found an opportunity to start Space Yacht with a couple of my coworkers there, and we all spoke the sort of digital language. One of the biggest one of the biggest clients of the company at the time was Dimac Records and Steve Aoki. Mm. So they're wow. very plugged into the LA club scene just as much as I was in love with the LA club scene. Mm. And um, you know, I think we were in the right space to the point where we um, eventually ran into a venue owner, a small, tiny little venue in Hollywood and that's no longer even around, but um, it started there and it was all, the, the music direction was all about just like, you know, it was so small. It was just, what could we get, you know, like what, what could we get as, as, as bookers, but also like, it was very much about what we liked that we couldn't see in the big clubs, you know, mm. um, obviously the big the, the folks at the big clubs wouldn't be playing at our joint but right um so we we got really creative and said like not only what do we like what can we get that's like reasonably tourable into LA so it's probably someone in southern california so we started there and 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 at the time like icon collective was really popping like the, mm. the, there was a bass scene that was really thriving in LA like the Bygore days where Moshe Lisi worked mm. and like Jaws was from SoCal and he had just released Feel the Volume. So like Ooh. the SoCal oh. scene oh, was just awesome. sort of like blowing it's, up it's, it's, on it's the world stage. It's waiting to boil over right now is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Look, not that LA was small before, but right. it was like, <laughs> it took on a different life of it, of at, at the time. And yeah. we were just like right during that time. And when we booked a lot of bass house and trap and dubstep and that stuff that was just like taking a new turn, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think some of the bookings and, and headliners became some of our closer friends and their managers became closer friends and their success kind of took our success and our success, you know, we started bringing people on, onto our South by shows and all that stuff. You know, we started getting recommended for stage takeovers, wherever the, the artists went. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we kind of, it was really a, an organic growth and, and we never came in using any of this crazy marketing stuff because like it's one thing managing Swedish house's page and Coachella's page for your job. It does not mean they're going to post your stuff for free. It, that's not <laughs> how it goes. But I think we were fortunate to kind of understand like organic growth and, and just sort of hacking it away, away at it. And we, we definitely took the long route. We, we, you know, in another world, we could have funneled a ton of investment cash and, and it, it, I think it would have had a lot less personality. So mm. I'm very happy that we are where we are now and, I'm able to do this full time and, you know, once again, able to be worthy of a, of an interviewee for you guys. So, Oh dude, the, the pleasure is the pleasure is all ours, man. And at what point did you realize that you could take space yacht and make it like your full time job? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are like, I got this thing that I'm growing. I'm really passionate about it. I got my nine to five job on this side. I'm like, eh, about it. What was that deciding Mm. factor where you were just like, that's it. I'm gunning down with space yacht. This could be my full time thing. Uh, it's about two years in, two and a half years in, and um, I think our shows just had gotten big enough where we could uh, sustain. And we we had we learned everything ourselves. There was just like just take small risks, but calculate risks, but manage right. manage risks. And even like even though I talk what I say, what I did about learning, you know, how to stand up for yourself in on the as an agent intern, when it came down to actually negotiating terms with with venues as an organizer. I still didn't really know the industry standard terms. And I think part of being like young and just sort of like, you know, early, early mid twenties at the time, I don't think I was as aggressive as a person, as a negotiator, as I could have been. So mm. I probably like, we probably could have grown faster if we wanted to, but we, we were kind of just like young and we'd rather, you know, fail like in small increments as opposed to like asking for a lot and failing extravagantly because like sometimes independence can't, can't uh, recover from that. So mm. another recommendation is like, dude, if you have a job, like hang on to it until you, until you very, until the very last second that you can't, you know, or you, and it's, until it's very clear that, you know, your, your way out is, is solid. I'm not as risky as some people think. I'm very kind of like, <laughs> risk averse. Well, I, I think that you take the right risks, right? There's a difference totally. between being a risk taker and loving yes. to take risks and it's dumb and it's stupid. And then there's like the calculated smart risks. I'm absolutely right? calculated. Yeah, exactly. Like, or would rather like, you know, because some risks can seem quite big, right? Um, but if you're, so long as you're calculated, you take a calculated approach to it and you kind of know what you're getting yourself into, at least that thought process means you're probably on the right path rather than someone that's just a cowboy slinging from the hip of every decision that they make. There are times, there are times, but I, yeah. I can't recall them because they weren't part of my, I don't know about them 
every day. <laughs> exactly. I've definitely shot from the hip for sure. Oh, shoot from the hip is never too bad. Like so long as you kind of know the area that you're aiming in, right? But totally. you know, speaking of like places that you want to take a business, right? Mm -hmm. This has been probably the ultimate buzzword. I'm so excited to ask you about this because it's just been the hottest topic in the music industry to date, NFTs, right? Now, we talked kind of offline a little bit about this, um, but before we get too much more into what Space Deal is doing for anybody that might have been living a bit under a rock, uh, can you explain kind of what NFTs are and what the impact is on the industry and why they're such a big hot topic right now? Um, yeah, NFTs, I mean, worth a Google, but in, in short, just now that we're on air, it's, it's, it stands for non-fungible token. Whatever the hell does that mean? Um, so, <laughs> you know, you, you basically, it's a crypto powered technology um, and it takes digital assets. So I'll give you an example, MP3s in the past, you know, Spotify really did away with the concept of an MP3, right? Like why would, why even buy it if you can stream it? Um, why, uh, you know, why even pay for image licensing if there are so many free things that I can manipulate and, you know, everyone's doing it. Every Photoshopper right. out there is ripping stuff off of Google and like, you know, manipulating a little bit and then integrating into their artwork. And it's, it's a sample based culture because the like these quote unquote samples, um, image samples, uh, text samples, audio samples, they're all over the internet. So NFTs created a way for you to manufacture and control your own scarcity because the blockchain because the blockchain said so so the same way where you would go to louis v the store and buy like a thing with a certificate that says one out of a hundred you know you already know there are replicas out there from china or india or wherever from from out of out of the country that that are pretty damn good if not sometimes god god, god forbid it's actually better Right. Like, <laughs> let's not say like leather products, like a Supreme cotton hoodie. There's a good chance there's a replica out there that is not legit, but just as good. So NFTs yeah. were trying to do away with the concept of, of, you know, bootleg images by giving uh, users and sellers and content creators, you know, artists essentially a way to verify that what they created in the digital world. So not a Supreme hoodie that you can feel, not a LV bag that you can cop at the store. But something that came from, you know, for example, Blau or some, something that came from people and they were just rendering the stuff for decades, I mean, not decades, but years for free. And it's like, and they had no way to monetize it other than kind of like hopefully selling a copy of it on Behance. Right. But mm -hmm. now you, you had this, you know, increasingly more accepted framework of verification that like, oh, Blau himself has digitally signed one out of 10 of these images or uh, audio clips or whatever it may be, some sort of digital asset. And now it's all of a sudden, uh, this whole concept that has done away with streaming music, the scarcity of music, the, the, uh, the, uh, the concept that uh, some, anything digital is worth owning all of a sudden it's back. You know, mm. there is scarcity, there is a signature. It's, it's all back. And it, it was exciting because it came at a time when like, you know, a lot of musicians, a lot of, of, yeah, essentially art, like music artists are, making these digital audio files that are, you know, for some reason streamed for half a cent, you know, maybe even less, a quarter of a cent online. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, don't tell me that's not interesting. That's super interesting to, to musicians. And, and, and so, so I think we, so we were on there early and lucky enough, uh, big thanks to folks like Dead Mouse and Blau and Beeple all kind of entering within a, a, a short time and RAC, a lot of folks, not even outside of Space Yacht, have been like in this community a lot longer than we have. Uh, I think we were one of the early brands, if not the first, um, as like a label jumping on, and and where you know where RAC and Blah would have been like early, 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 like angel adopters. We would have right. been maybe in the early adopter phase. Um, so was there a moment where you decided to like jump in, like when Space Yacht decided to jump in? Because that that's intriguing to me. Like how how did you catch on to this wave and that this was going to be the next thing? Uh, we, we got it as a recommendation. And like, honestly, at the time there was, we weren't doing anything. We we're just like, oh, let's figure out how to build our record label, which, you know, I'm sure I'm down to talk about later as well, but I'll say that for another question. Mm. Um, we were just going like, let's just go all digital. We, we were not trying to be the event organizers that were like, oh, how do I do a renegade or, oh, how do I like certify 50% right. capacity? Like I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't want to do that kind of like business. So I was like, we, thank God we had a brand. Um, and a little bit of a brand personality. So we we immediately went 
kind of photography uh, uh, with, you know, went all in on photography to release merch. And we, we kind of went from like selling band, like, you know, label merch to, to just streetwear. That stuff that's like people just want to wear and it happens to be called Space Yacht. You know, <laughs> we wanted to do that. We want every one of our businesses to be in and of itself legit. Like mm. if, if you have a fashion business, make sure it's legit in the eyes of fashion. Like mm. don't, don't make it like a supplementary thing to Space Yacht. Right. Mm. We went all in on, on the label. We went all in on like digital art. So we had a friend recommend NFTs to us. And it was about like May or June 2020. Um, and we, done, we had actually done a couple of drops on this platform called Nifty Gateway. And right around, I think, January of 2021, uh, like I said, that, that Blau kind of um, dead mouse and Beeple, like triple Grand Slam, just in, in succession came around and really kind of took that industry um, up from kind of down here to way up in the stars. And, uh, you know, we were still at it. So we, we, you know, all of a sudden our drops were grossing a lot higher and, and there was a huge collector's community that was, they were also validating this technology, you know, like the, right. the more mm. people adopt the technology, the more valid it is. Um, so, you know, now it's like, you know, admittedly, I, I, I think NFTs and that kind of collectible space is going through a kind of like repricing or like equilibrium stage. Mm. A lot of people came in, whales, um, collectors, people just wanted to look at this as like an investment product, right. scalpers, you know, there's a whole mixture of them right now. And it's good. It's probably going to take some time. And, you know, at the time of this recording, it's May, 2021. I, you know, I'd give it another half of year where half a year where things rebalance themselves, the market kind of corrects itself. Um, but what's really interesting to me personally is all of a sudden, blockchain technology is in the forefront of our minds. It's a very much more acceptable uh, framework and tech than it was even a year ago, even six months ago. Hmm. It's now on like front page news. It's like a home, like a home, what do you call it? Household name, household term. Right. Hmm. So our interest in it is like, where are the gaps in terms of like security and trackability and, you know, in, in blockchain, they always talk about the ledger where like you see where right. anything goes from, the point it was made to any transfer. So right now I'm going through this exercise of like, dude, that happens in ticketing. So mm. you print, you print a digital ticket and it sometimes gets printed and then it gets scammed on Craigslist or offer up or whatever, or some, some people just hit up the social chains and be like, Hey, I'm going to, I can sell tickets and no way in hell we're in 2021. And this is like the way it, it should go. So mm. we're like, how do we kind of leverage blockchain technology so that, you know, the whole point of ticket print all the way to the three or four people that are transferred hands through or you know i gifted it to someone or whatever it may be is trackable like it's made me think that like wow any digital asset like spotify royalties or label relationships like it's notoriously known to be like annoying for an artist to hit a label up which i shouldn't i think it shouldn't be the case anymore mm. um so we want top to bottom trackability and accountability for some of our businesses. And right now for us, it's being a label and being a ticket seller. And I'm dealing with a, a lot of like fraud cases on a ticketing on an event thing. And like we're realizing the platforms we have now oftentimes aren't built for this level of security. So it's the underlying tech that's exciting to me from NFTs and Sorry if I went too long on it. No, no that, that's absolutely fascinating because <laughs> I mean, because I think that's I think you're spot on there. I think, as you said, like you know, NFTs probably they're going to be around for you know for a long while and they're going to be become integral probably to the music and art scene. But even if they don't, the underlying technology seems to be really what's going to drive forward a lot of the innovation um, and a lot of the the changes for good that we can see in both the tech space as well as in you know in the music and dance industry. So go, going off of that a little bit, uh, you know. For the the blockchain, you mentioned how internally and for your own products currently, like mm -hmm. ticketing and such, this is going to be helpful. I don't know if you can speak too much to this right now, but has Spacio got any plans in terms of like offering some type of B2B product, right? Develop, like developing some type of B2B service uh, using blockchain, you know, to partner up as maybe a vendor for other technology platforms and such, or is this something that you think would strictly be related to the only things that you're as space yacht the brand getting into from the consumer side. Um, absolutely. I mean, we use our own selves as beta tests. I mean, you, you see it. A lot of entrepreneurs see problems within their own immediate circles and they solve it and they turn it into a scalable product that can be sold. 
we're approaching it the same way. Like we we're dealing with fraud ourselves. We know how many people are in our same boat. We're not the only ones. And, you know, we know there's a market out there, but at the very least, yeah, to your point, we'd love to use it ourselves, you know? This is, uh, this, I think this is a really great segue into talking about what Space Yacht has been up to outside of just the NFT space right now, right? So the COVID-19 pandemic has really put a wrench into a lot of different people's plans, especially the music industry. And I love that you just mentioned before that, you know, we've been approached about doing like these renegade shows or these like these 50% limited capacity shows, but you guys didn't want to go that way. So tell me, instead of instead of going that way of throwing these sorts of shows, what did Space Yacht do during the COVID-19 pandemic and now as we're starting to emerge out of the pandemic? So yeah, the, the main thing was we just completely leaned the other way and that was yeah. based off of just, we had brand equity, we had, you know, we weren't seen as some sort of like sterile corporate you know, you know, kind of like undisconnected entity. Right. Um, and, and some like, there's no right away, wrong way to go about it. We're just very kind of DIY on, on, on the ground, if you, if you will. So I told you about uh, our e-commerce and streetwear that was all based off of our kind of design looks and, and the kind of rave culture. I talked about crypto and NFTs where we uh, kind of converted some of like the rave relics and rave tropes into works of art that were sold on these platforms so there's two things. And then we went, you know, streaming was a very common thing. And and for us, it wasn't like a, a survival thing. It was just, just like we had time and we still wanted to keep our community engaged. So we put sure. out streams just so people had things to do at home and listen to things. And eventually, actually, it became a pretty like legit revenue generating thing for us. Um, hmm. We we started a program called Tune Reactor. It's a donation-based show, but we try to make it like speed dating of like productive label A&R meetings yeah. and, and it's, it's kind of it's like a great program. interview training it's, for it's fa- it's fantastic yeah, it really the champions is. we'll put that into the show notes the link to the show so you can check it out that's amazing hell yeah thank you for doing that and uh based off of the, the just the demos that we got from this tune reactor twitch show um we were like wow we have enough material to start a record label these are people who you know are willing to donate five to ten bucks for for like a little professional feedback and oftentimes like a good handful of them were like very high level stuff. So we were mm. like, Hey, we, we really don't need to struggle to find material. That's all coming to us. And why don't we invest in these people and, you know, kind of bankroll their, their kind of initial releases and, and help them become stars of their own. Um, sure. Under our guidance, but you know, it's, it's nice to see people grow because of actions you took. And, mm. and finally, uh, events are finally coming back and now we have, that's, that's you know, it's like four or five separate businesses that we don't plan on shutting down at all. Um, and whereas in the, like a, a year ago we had one, I remember right. one and a half with merch, but, but now it's like actually four, like five legitimate businesses and we have no plans on shutting any of the fully platforms. diversified business, man. Like this, this guy's totally. portfolio, a, this guy's yeah, portfolio right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Diversity. I love it, man. I love to see it. And you know what, speaking about like emerging out of the COVID-19 pandemic, Obviously, you know, you guys just talked about how you guys went to virtual. You want to keep your community engaged. But what what do you think that we should expect to see out of these virtual events going forward now that in real life events are returning? Are we going to continue to see a lot of these different virtual festivals? You guys obviously said that you're going to continue with your streaming programs. Are we going to see other groups kind of follow suit or do you think it's going to kind of fall off to the wayside? I think it'll decrease a little bit, but it won't go away. Um, Twitch mm. itself, you, you you can really tell they've invested a lot in like their music division. And, yep. you know, if to say that it'll go away would mean a lot of people would lose their jobs. And, right. and they, I know they have talented people and I know they'll, if not streaming live concerts, then it'll, they'll provide best practices for people who got big, like on their streaming profiles, how to repurpose their followings for different things. Because look, I get it it's going to be hard for a lot of people to both focus on producing a safe IRL show mm-hmm. and also now worry about filming with like 200 people kind of like bumping into your cameras, right? Like you have to relearn <laughs> a lot of these things now that you have people around and that's okay. We'll lose some of these ones. They'll start refocusing back on live shows, but at the same time, brands like us, brands like I'll, I'll shout out maybe like Dr. Fresh or, or, or Jaws, whomever that, that have always been streamers, they'll, they'll right. probably, come out of this with a greater following and more loyal following. And yeah, sure. Maybe he might not stream or they might not stream like every one of their live concerts, but they'll probably figure out ways to become more engaged on the Twitch community. Now that you've been able to see that the Twitch community gave back. Yeah. So you really see it sticking around then? 
You don't, you don't see like these... short answer is yes, yeah. not as much, but yes, still short okay. answer. Yes. And what about delving more into like kind of the, the quote unquote metaverse is looking at things like Fortnite, uh, you know, other gaming kind of open world platforms there where you can have these virtual concerts and, and maybe even kind of like a custom solution is what, you know, Porter Robinson has done with second sky. Do you, do you think that's something that's going to stay? Cause you know, it's, it's a very interesting topic and kind of a debate right now is like, has it really reached critical mass yet? And what will kind of consumer behavior be after the pandemic? So really kind of in your opinion, do you, do you think it's here to stay? Do you think it's going to increase? Like how, how do you see those type of events going on in the short term and long term? Well, I definitely think the the pandemic accelerated by force that these mm. industries in, in VR spaces and metaverses had to grow. Um, I think the growth will slow down again now that time and energy and finances from the big players, like they're going to go back on tour, right? I, right. I don't imagine they're probably just going to stay at home all the time <laughs> working on these things. Yeah. But it has definitely, same as NFTs, come into the forefront of our minds and is now something of which we know we can't suck at still. So I think some key players are going to find ways to integrate. Maybe some of the industry leaders may find ways to integrate a, a virtual plus IRL experience, which mm. we have yet to test mm. in, in real life yet. Um, but look, I, you can already picture this. The, the heavy hitters, they're going to go back on tour. There's right. no way they're going to have all seven days of the week to refocus on that, but it's okay. We made a lot of progress. It is to me personally, it's very exciting. Um, we, you know, we as an organization at Space Yacht are still very interested in, in you know, building our metaverse kind of uh, footprint. While while some of the players may kind of dip in and out, you know, it, it, the fact, dude, the fact that this is now socially accepted and it's very kind of in our eyes and faces is, it's you know, I think we've gone more than we have, we ever would have gone, in, you know, right. without the pandemic. It was just like forced acceleration. Yeah, exactly, man. And like, we've talked about this a little bit on our regular podcast episodes, but it seems to me that the wrong way to look at this is saying, okay, you've got events in real life and you've got these events in virtual spaces. One has to kind of beget the other. There has to be, they're mutually exclusive. But it seems to me actually that these events going on and say that the metaverses, that's really just going to be supplementing our in real life experiences. It seems to me that because we've been forced to be at home, we're now kind of used to being constantly connected, you know, digitally to the dance and the music industry. And I don't think that's really going to go away, but I think Mm -hmm. rather it's now opened up more opportunities for during the middle of the week before you get to hit to the clubs or before you get to the festival stage, you know, to have these kind of experiences on the go or at home to stay connected to things. So I'm very interested to see kind of, as you so aptly put it, IRL plus, I'm very interested to see what that's going to entail as it relates to metaverses, VR, et cetera. All right. Riveting discussions right here on the Beyond the Beats podcast, episode 99 with Henry from Space Yacht. But EDM champions, you guys know, okay, this is not an episode of Beyond the Beats without a little bit of love for the underground and artists that are rising, doing some dope shit. And every single episode, we pick two artists each. And of course, our special guests, we got to invite them to do the same to spotlight some budding talent for all of you right here on the pod. Alec. Do you want to go first this time, my friend? You already know EDM champions, ladies and gentlemen of the globe. I want to introduce you to somebody who is quickly, very quickly, I might add, rising out of the underground world. You can hear the beats building up in the background because, ladies and gentlemen, this guy is going to be on your radar. People like Don Diablo have already taken notice and you will now too. Without further ado, take a listen and revel in the absolutely phenomenal bass house beats of Ronnie Burnover's track, Tusk. I am the Tusk. Big. 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 
feel like this is an artist I should have known of known of a long time ago. Um, so I'm glad you guys <laughs> put me on to it. Ronnie Berna, um, Tusk is one I'm checking out. Super cool. Uh, I love the kind of falling object sounds. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> got exactly. A, got a bit of a bass house feel. I'm curious, you know, I have a feeling he's like European. Um, yeah, he's, uh, from, I believe, from Albania. There you I go. Believe. There you Straight go. out from Albania. Shout out to Albania. And uh, I'm not joking. I feel like this is something I should know about. Um, so I'm glad. Thanks for showing me. Dude. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Ronnie, he looks like he got a new fan. There you go. Yes, Dude, sir. love that you're spotlighting this amazing talent from, from far off places in the world that you and I are just not accustomed to talking about or seeing. But I want to go rave in Albania now. So Dude, definitely. Me too. Yeah. If we have any Albanian listeners, I don't even know if we do. We have to look into the demos. Absolutely. Uh, I want to see. Albanian listeners, let us know what's up. Let us know if you guys have heard of Ronnie Berna because we would love to get your feedback on this tight, tight ass track, Tusk, over here. All right. Henry, you're a special guest. I know you got an amazing pick for the artists that we're watching this week. Who do you have for us? Give it to us straight. I have to give a big shout out to Ranger Truco. Yo. Super, super explosive artist. He's in our camp. And uh, he's just being noticed by folks like Chami and AC Slater. And it's, he's just at the top of his, of his peer group right now. If you can, I'd love for you guys to play Pretty Girls. Hell All right. yeah. Crazy hook on that. Pretty Girls Don't Wait in Lines. repeat this line right here if, if, if i may if i may okay I pretty girls don't wait in line they do them in the bathroom let that let that, <laughs> let that sink in there's only one genius there's only one genius who can write shit like this and that is ranger truco right here this track was released on space yacht you guys already know what's going on at the space yacht office they like to have a good time they like to get down and this track is the epitome of that a good freaking time henry what was it about Ranger Truca that, like, when you heard his sound, you're like, we got it, we got to sign this guy? What was it about his sound? You know, the way we look at it is it's not just the one track, it is the consistency of follow up mm. material. Mm. So, you know, we, we kind of look ahead and look long term, and Ranger just had stuff lined up. And, and even then, after that initial email, he would be like, you know, two days later, here's another one, guys, and here's another one. And I'm like, wow. Love wow. that. This has got legitimate legs. Oh, dude, just like I, I, this is somebody I've actually come across this before. Um, and I am just so glad that we gave a shout because before our conversation, well, I've kind of had this like stuck in my SoundCloud playlist somewhere, <laughs> but I hadn't dug it up. I forgot about it. So, Henry, thank you for bringing this back up because oh, yeah. this is somebody we should definitely submit. I'm a little, a little bit uh, ashamed that we have not featured on the podcast to date but henry's come along and sort that out for us but he, he's just like consistency as you're saying man like consistency is seems to be this guy's middle name like you go through his discography <laughs> and it just seems like he's pumping out tunes non-stop of high high quality so i i just can't wait to see this guy live like that that's really my next goal to so go see this guy live i just bought bought tickets on this samir going back to our rating scale there oh you give a little four out of five just bought tickets you know i'd love to hear that hey, dude yo. Dude, I, uh, you know what's so funny? I've never been to a Space Yacht show, and I'm very ashamed to, to say that. I think uh, I just moved out to the West Coast, uh, Henry, just for some context here. And I think I went to the Space Yacht uh, takeover at EDC Vegas on one of the, um, on one of the art cars, if I recall correctly. Okay. But I hope on my first show at, with the Space Yacht crew, Ranger Truco is on that lineup because I need some of this. I need some of these vibes right now. That's totally possible. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Highly possible. Dude, speaking of vibes, all right, I'm super, super pumped up to be introducing my artist that I'm watching this week, and we're talking about Obli, spelled O-B-L-I. You guys know, the EDM champions know that I am just all about those good times, some, you know, slow down tracks a little bit, good pounding kicks, nice tight pianos, and you can really hear that in his track, Hold It. Take a listen. Say it, do I know you don't? I know you don't love me like you say it. Do. 
it's like, you know, you truly are the vibe king now. I think that has to be your new title, the Crunchwrap Supreme of the <laughs> Beyond the Beats podcast right now, because you're coming in with these heavy vibes, but I'm all for it, Love man. It. I'm actually, you've just been, you've been on a roll with this. How, how'd you come across Obli? Dude, that's just the magic of just clicking around in SoundCloud, man. You just go from, from person to person to person. You never know what you're going to find. And you know what? Sometimes you have to listen to some ads, some car insurance ads or ads in Espanol, but that's okay because sometimes you're going to come across some some tight tracks like this one right here by Obli and EDM Champions. You guys already know if you want tracks like this, you can find that in the Chillin' Chillin' playlist. We'll make sure that's linked in the show notes. Don't miss it because Obli is going to be in there. Henry, what'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. I, I actually think that's a, that's a top tune in my world. Hey. Let's go. Top two. Um, so elements that were kind of kind of disco-y, uh, bit disclosure-esque in a very good way. And I, I love that the drums were just very analog. Um, mm-hmm. And it just had this very organic feel. Um, another artist I didn't know prior to doing this interview. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. 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 We're all about that music sharing. But Alec, you feeling good over there? I feel I'm feeling great, man. I mean, just Henry, thank you so much for uh, joining. As I said before at the top, we've really wanted to have someone come from come on from Space Yacht for a long, long time. Uh, but before we sign off, just wanted to kind of give you the floor. Is there anything in particular that you kind of want to plug that's going on about Space Yacht? You know, head over to a website. There's so much going on. Um, Tune Reactor, especially, is the place where we connect with kind of the broad population around the world, uh, worldwide as well. And to all these producers out there, which, you know, We've, we've spent our lifeblood and our kind of our, our careers speaking towards this community. Just keep at it. You know, uh, we're, we're coming out of quarantine and I know it's going to be a difference in a good way. Um, but keep, keep writing this out no matter, you know, I know some places are more ahead of others, but stay, stay in it, stay at it, stay sane. And, uh, hope to see you guys on the other side. Absolutely. Well, Henry, thank you so much for plugging that. And of course, the EDM champions, you guys already know, head over to beyondthebeats.co, click on episode 99. We're going to have all the links to Henry's socials and the Space Yacht socials. And you guys already know, Tune Reactor is going to be linked up in there, their website. And you guys, if you ever get a chance to go check out a Space Yacht show, it is an absolute necessity. My boy Alec over there, he's been before. And every single time he comes home from a Space Yacht show, he's like, dude, I just had the best freaking time. And that's what I love to hear. Guys. We will see you next week for episode 100. Triple digits, baby. Stay locked in.